This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Pearl Auto, the folks that make wireless rear view cameras for your car that retrofit around your license plate and sync with your smartphone so you can drive safer. Check it out at pearlauto.com/fool and get free 2-day shipping. It's Thursday, September 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Mann and Brian Hinman. Happy National Coffee Day. Blessed Very National happy Coffee Day. Yes, yes. Uh, we're doing this on Facebook Live. We've got the video machine cranked up. How do you feel like it's going so far? Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a false start, but right. for people who are listening just to the podcast version, they're like, no. Uh, they, you know, they they missed all of that. So, yeah. but probably not. Although <laughs> one thing we did touch on is that for National Coffee Day, Bill, man, you and I are celebrating. <laughs> That's right, Brian Hinman, with a big old mug of water in front of him. I think you gotta. You can't just look at the moment here. I think if we if we assess if we analyze the ounces of coffee already consumed. Yes, I'm blowing you guys out of the water. <laughs> That's, you know what? We'll take your word for it. Look, if there's any day in which excessive amounts of coffee should be consumed, it's today. I'm just questioning your choices. You're not marketing well. And that's what I'm saying. You know, we, we talk about this with investing with different businesses where they come out and, and you look at one data point. And we yeah. say, well, that's just one data point. Hey, for this one data point, you're drinking water. Well, let's move on. Uh, we got a lot today. We've got, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. Medtronic has gotten the green light for an artificial pancreas. That should probably be our lead story, just so we can say artificial pancreas as much what as possible. What did we decide? Pancreatronic? Uh, yeah. The bionic pancreas. The bionic, the bionic pancreas. pancreas. We, you know, we'll get to that. Uh, let's start, though, with uh, some earnings from Pepsi. Pepsi's really crushing it. Third quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. They raised guidance uh, for the full fiscal year. And. Uh, I don't know. Did they did they not get the memo that soda consumption in North America continues to decline year over year? Because holy cow, they are just they're getting it done with the snacks. Yeah, Pepsi's a snack company. Pepsi is Frito Lay, and I and I think that every time their earnings comes out, come come out, people need to remind themselves of the fact that Pepsi is way less levered to soda, pop, whatever you call it in your part of the country than than Coca Cola is. Yeah, the Frito-Lay division, the the snacks business, uh, accounts for about 30% of revenue, but 50% of profit. So, their market share is dominant uh, in North America, uh, up and down the the chip aisle, the salty snack aisle. And so, that should be the first place investors look when they're analyzing PepsiCo. Now, you have given me a microphone, and I'm going to use this opportunity to (laughs) complain about Pepsi. Okay. Their earnings report is 27 pages long. (laughs) You're not you're not complaining about Pepsi as a consumer. You're Pepsi. You're a working you're a working analyst <laughs> yes. who's complaining. Yeah, no. Pepsi is Pepsi is Pepsi is the best run uh, consumer packaged goods company that there is, in my opinion. But come on, twenty seven pages. But, I, the, but their investor relations department. Oh man, it's brutal. They're making their money today. Let's go back to Frito Lay for a second because it wasn't all that long ago that there were people within that company, and certainly. Fund managers say being all too willing to go on television and say they got to spin off Frito Lay, they got to get rid of it, they got to break it up. Where are those? Where are those people now? You're not hearing from them. No, they're they're picking on somebody else. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Andrew Nui, the CEO of PepsiCo, has. Uh, 
I mentioned that this was a well-run company. She totally entertained the idea of this and said, hey, I am here to uh, do what's best for our company and do what's best for our, our shareholders. Uh, let's entertain this. And the conclusion that she and uh, the board came to was that uh, keeping these companies together saves uh the company about eight hundred million to a billion dollars annually, uh, and if you just look at the performance of, of PepsiCo uh, as one company compared to other consumer packaged goods businesses, uh, I believe her. Yeah. Let's move on to the world of online brokers. Shares of TD Ameritrade are up more than five percent this morning on reports that rival online broker Scottrade is exploring a sale, and apparently. TD Ameritrade is first on the list of likely buyers. Most likely buyer. Yeah. yeah. It's a, so this this industry is largely consolidated, and it's it's been an ongoing uh, consolidating industry since the turn of the century, uh, really 2002. And there are a couple been a couple of deals every year announced, and uh, the reason for that is, uh, in order to run a profitable online brokerage, you need scale uh, to basically. Cover the massive fixed costs of the the tech side, the back office side of uh, of executing trades and these sorts of things. So, the more people you can have trade, the more trades you can have on your fixed cost system, the better. Uh, and so, it has been sort of the winners buying up the smaller fries for years and years and years and years. And uh, Scott Trade is probably the biggest uh, f- the biggest fish out there. To swallow, so it's very. It would be very meaningful to uh, to TD Ameritrade. Ameritrade is about a three billion dollar revenue company. Scott Trade, although private, we have guesses that it's about a, a billion. Yeah, yeah, significantly smaller than 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 the big players. And as Brian said, is it is a scale game. It's an entirely different business than it was back in two thousand when you had Daytech. You know, you had Daytech. God, I've yeah. forgotten that name. <laughs> Yeah, Brown and Company, dozens of yeah. brokers, Muriel Siebert, you know, it, and uh, yeah, that game is over. The game now is 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 scale. Um, brokering, you know, brokering revenues are flat to down a little bit. There's not as much trading as there has been. Uh, so a lot of their a lot of their most profitable revenue comes from, you know, securities lending and things of that nature. And that is truly a scale business. Yeah, and another thing that's uh, two other things that are important here is and one of the reasons that it's they're very interested in reducing the number of competitors is because there's been downward pressure historically on uh, commission rates. And if you can control one of the companies, another one of the companies that's setting those rates, uh, you can, you know, prolong the downward pressure on those commission rates. So, uh, not that Scott Trade was a bad actor, they've been basically at $7, you know, Consistently, yeah. but it makes sense for TD Ameritrade to control another one of the competitors there and uh, prolong their ability to charge a, a decent price for commissions. But on the uh, Scott Trade specific side, uh, the company has sort of stagnated recently. I mean, Bill commented to me this morning that he sort of forgot they were around. Uh, they haven't been doing much over the last couple of years, and I really think part of that, at least, is because it's a founder-led company, CEO Roger Reiney. He's actually suffering from, a, I believe, like a blood cancer. Yeah. Uh, and so, it doesn't seem like they've had much uh, leadership underneath him that has sort of taken the, taken the reins and driven the company to, to new heights. So, they've been stagnating uh, for a while now, and uh, TD Ameritrade says... We're speculating that TD Ameritrade right. is a buyer, but now seems like a decent time to uh, to make the play. Yeah, 
Do you think that they maintain Scottrade as a separate brand, or is part of the calculus that, whether it's TD Ameritrade or anyone else, is part of the calculus? Now we need to fold them in so that we can consolidate the costs of marketing and and all of that sort of thing. That's the name of the game here. I really think it would be a mistake to keep Scott Trade as its own brand. Uh, yeah. Ameritrade can pay what it is rumored about $4 billion to be paid here, because historically speaking, when uh, you've merged uh, two different brokers of size, you can strip out somewhere between 50 to 60% of the costs. Uh, and you do that by not having to advertise Scott Trade and advertise TD Ameritrade uh, as sort of one example of, of redundant costs. Yeah, uh, also and so, physical presence. And also yeah. physical presence. So, yeah. um, certainly to get to squeeze the most juice out of the lemon, uh, you would need to uh, bring the brand Scott Trade into the brand yeah. Ameritrade. The last time that they bought that uh, Ameritrade bought a big broker, a big rival, they bought uh, Waterhouse from Toronto Dominion Bank, thus the TD, and uh, they let it operate as its own brand for a while. But they integrated it, and you know, and th- they assuming again that they are the buyer, any of them, they, they'll merge it in. It'll be that brand will go away. All right, guys, before we continue, i got to say a word of thanks to Pearl Auto for supporting today's episode. Pearl Auto makes a set of wireless rear-view cameras that fit around your license plate and sync with your smartphone so you can drive safer. It's quick and easy to install. It just took us a couple of minutes to retrofit the Fullmobile with this thing. You download the Pearl app for your iPhone or your Android phone. You mount the phone to your dashboard or vent, and you're good to go. With Pearl Auto, you've got two HD cameras to see what's behind you. It's got audio alerts to warn you about any obstacles in your way, and this works with any car. The panel is solar-powered, so it stays uh, it stays charged on its own. And the Pearl Auto app automatically updates to add additional features. You can upgrade the safety of your old vehicle without buying a new one. We test drove the Fullmobile with this. It was fantastic. So, check it out. Pearl Auto's got a special offer for listeners here. Go to pearlauto.com slash fool and get free two-day shipping. That's pearlauto.com slash fool. Medtronic has gotten FDA approval for a new automated insulin pump for people with type 1 diabetes. And uh, according to the stats that uh, Industry Focus host Christine Hargis shared with me very nicely, uh, you're talking about over a million people in the U.S. with type 1 diabetes. Um, this is getting a lot of headlines. I mean, because it's really cool. It's, I was just going to say, and it's, really cool and awesome. Yeah, like awesome. Like there's nobody, everybody who is listening, and everybody we know knows someone with type one diabetes, and what those people have to go through on a daily basis in terms of it's tes- testing their own blood, yeah, and and all that sort of thing. So, but yeah, there's the cool factor too. It's an artificial pancreas. <laughs> It's yeah. a bionic pancreas. That's right. So to to level set, I took some notes on uh, to try and explain what type one diabetes is, just to get everyone on the same page here. It's a it's an autoimmune disorder that affects uh, over a million, maybe up to three million Americans, um, and the disorder is where T cells attack the insulin producing cells in the pancreas, and this is a big deal because insulin shuttles glucose, which is used for energy, um, to the fat, other fat or muscle cells, and uh, to be used or stored, and uh, the problem is if you have too little uh, or too much 
it's very, very, very bad. So if you're not, if your body isn't regulating insulin, uh, you could die. Yeah. And the way that uh, those afflicted with type one diabetes deal with this is they have to constantly uh, check their check their rates. And if they are out of a healthy range, they have to do something about it. And so it is absolutely constant uh, and a massive disruption to simply living life. Yeah. And so uh, what has happened now is you've got there are sort of some exist, existing therapies, uh, continuous glucose monitor uh, that can give you those readings. And then there's an insulin pump, on the other hand. Um, right now, those are independent, uh, independent therapies. What Medtronic has done as someone who, a company who makes both of those uh, therapies, is they now can talk to one another wireless, wirelessly. So when the continuous glucose sensor senses that your insulin levels are at a bad place, it can trigger a, uh, a, a reaction from the, uh, the pump, the insulin pump, and get you into a healthy zone. And so really what we're talking about here is we are talking about uh, medicine being administered in real time to allow these millions of people who are afflicted with this uh, disorder to live their life. It's really pretty incredible for from a quality of life improvement. Well, not only that, but but have being being out of balance with your you know with 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 your insulin. I mean, it 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 it's degrading, right? Like over time, if you the more times you are out of balance, you know, it it really impacts not just your quality of life, but your lifespan because you don't it, it you every time that happens your body degrades a little yeah. bit. So it's, it's, it's incredible to me. And I, 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 I think that this is just, you know, an, another sign of just the incredible human ingenuity to fix a problem that that's impacting. I mean, you talk about a million people in this country. It's not like the U S has a monopoly on type one diabetes. This is yeah. hundreds of millions yeah. of people in and the world. From an investing sense. I mean, it, it was well known that Medtronic has been working on this. Uh, the news today was that uh, the FDA approved the artificial pancreas about six months early. Uh, and I was so, say. so yeah. they usually only do that when uh, you know the evidence is pretty clear. Uh, so it's a that it's a and there's a need and right? there's a need. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty it feels like a pretty big win for uh, for Medtronic and there are some other companies that operate in this space that are trying to do the same thing. Uh, they are widely viewed to be a couple years behind um, the pump. Pump makers, insulin pump makers, Johnson and Johnson, Johnson and Johnson, excuse me, Tandem Diabetes and Insulet, and then the continuous glucose monitor manufacturer, Descom. They're all sort of working uh, together to try and do, uh, to try and make an artificial pancreas as well. Medtronic's just a little ahead of the game in this case. The corporate culture at Medtronic is is just like PepsiCo. It's something just really to be celebrated. I mean, they. Under their previous management, they 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 would they would spend time, and they had basically a hundred year plan, which seems completely absurd. But they would literally talk about almost Elon Musk style: what are the big problems that we would like to solve? And so this has been something that is. Is this when on. Bill George was running it? Exactly. Yeah. This has been on their radar screen. I assume they still do it because it's a wonderful practice. But uh, you know, it, it is something that they have been doing forever. And so this has been on their radar screen for two decades or more. Uh, Brian, I'm glad you mentioned uh, how the FDA was early on this one because I think for anyone who has seen this story and is then looking at Medtronic stock, 
being slightly down, you you may be wondering, well, why the what? disconnect? Yeah. Well, yeah. Medtronic's not ready to. They're not going to sell this thing until next spring yeah. because it, it. I think they were pleasantly caught off guard. Yeah, by but the, it, yeah, I mean, the, the the promise for it is 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 quite well known. I doubt that there is much in the way of you know people who are investing in Medtronic are not. I mean, they're happily surprised by the timing. I think it would have been bad for Medtronic if this had been rejected, but there was no real sense. Yeah. That that was going to Medtronic's happen. a Medtronic's a, a pretty big tanker, so this will be you know this will be a drop in the bucket. But I think as uh, as an investor in Medtronic and in some of the money with some of the, some of the money we manage, uh, we look at this as validation that their commitment to R and D uh, is paying off. Full on. Yeah. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool com. Question from Cliff, who is from New York but living in Argentina. He writes, I helped start a tire recycling company here in Buenos Aires that, after a great deal of blood, sweat, and tears, is doing moderately well given the political and economic circumstances that we have here in Argentina. I now work at a synthetic turf company developing international markets and still try to help out with the recycling business. Two years ago, I decided to resume my studies. I am majoring in finance and management. I would really enjoy hearing some of your comments on emerging markets, such as those in South America. Uh, businesses in these countries are subject to uh, are subject to fascinating, but sometimes seemingly uh, <laughs> uh, seemingly impossible to survive uh, macroeconomic yeah. and market conditions. Uh, thank you, Cliff, for the note. And uh, well, that's I awesome. saved it for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Being well, so in the room. I think it's really interesting, and 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 we actually look, uh, you know, we we have plenty of exposure in in certain of our funds to emerging markets, and and Cliff touched on this. He will he will he will know this, you know, very very intimately. But a lot of times, once you get you know once you get to speed, once you get past you know certain you know certain breakpoints with uh, with in an emerging market because it's so hard to operate in it's also difficult to come in and compete with them because once they're entrenched you know it's 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 extremely difficult mercado libre is a company that's also in buenos aires and you know that's sort of the the ebay of of latin america if you will and ebay can't compete with them there so yeah, I mean, we we really appreciate and love looking at businesses in, in emerging markets because there is that extra layer of you know surprise, which isn't necessarily you know isn't necessarily great when you're an investor. But I think that I think things are improving a great deal. And so, like for example, the number one performing market this year, major market, is Brazil. And if you think about where Brazil was at the beginning of this year, they had a president. Mm-hmm. Who was in the process of being thrown out, right? And people said, "Well, Brazil's not going to be right for 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 ten years." But to me, I mean, I always try to think what the reciprocal is, which is in certain emerging markets, when you see bad news like that, it's actually kind of good news because it means that people who previously might not have been held accountable for anything are being held accountable. So, I mean, I you know, so to me, a lot of countries like this, when you see bad things like that, it's actually a sign of the company, the country, company, country maturing a little bit. To Cliff's point about the now, I'm going to have some coffee. <laughs> to Cliff's point about the the uncertainty in in Argentina, um, it, it, is there a balance that you have to strike? Because I get how yeah. a little revolution now and then can be a healthy thing, but, <laughs> but I, I also think that at at some point. If you're an investor, I mean, part part of the bull case for investing in U.S. companies 
is the st- the overall stability of yeah. the market, the overall stability of our political system, uh, the regulatory environment. You know, those those controls are in, largely in place in ways that they aren't in other countries. Yeah. There are certain there there are certain markets where we are very very nervous to tread because the stock market itself is an organ of you know of political policy. China is probably the you know the the leading example, but there are others. Used to be Argentina, you know, with the, with the last government, you know, capital was not something that was appreciated at all. Venezuela is another one you'd have to be insane to go in and invest in Venezuela at this point. I mean. I'm sure some people are. Um, so yeah, we take that very seriously, and we and, and we build into it. You know, we 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 build a higher discount rate basically for you know for for countries where we are less certain. Uh, earlier in the week, uh, Jason Moser and I were talking about Arnold Palmer, uh, the drink, uh, yeah. the man, the yeah. king. Uh, but but the drink did come up. Uh, got an email from John Martin. Who writes? I'm a longtime listener and longtime reader, going back to my AOL dial-up days in 1996. <laughs> wow. I've always recommended the Motley Fool to anyone who asks me about investing, retirement, saving, etc., and they've never been disappointed in the recommendation. Thanks for making me look good. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for recommending. Earlier this week, you paid tribute to the King. It was mentioned that the Arnold Palmer drink could be alcoholic as well, but that is not fully accurate. The, Ar- the Arnold Palmer is lemonade and iced tea. The alcoholic version of that drink is called the John, the John Daly. Daly. <laughs> Thanks for the podcast over the years. I've been a fool since I was 16 and a member of Arnie's Army since birth. So nice. thank you, John, for yeah. the correction. Yeah, Arnold Palmer. You know, he was uh, just he he was an ambassador of the game, and it it really bears remembering that before Arnold Palmer came along, that that golf was something that was not uh, you know was not something that reached most Americans. It was very much the country club set and that was it. And he was he was the first. He was an ambassador uh for the game. My dad had the opportunity to meet him on a couple of occasions and said that, you know, that Arnold Palmer not only was he a nice and generous man, you could tell that he just fed off of, you know, of meeting people and meeting his fans. That was one of the things Jason and I were were talking about was just that and and I don't play golf and I don't follow it all that closely, but all of the stories that I read afterwards just he sounds like such an incredibly generous, yeah. nice person, which is not often said about people who achieve greatness in a sport. I mean, yeah. a lot of times it's like, you know. Well, my, yeah, but he was also Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods, just to name two, phenomenal all-time great golfers. But when the cameras yeah. aren't on, not necessarily the nicest guys yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it, it also bears remembering that Arnold Palmer desperately, desperately wanted to win. I mean, he. Hated Roger Maris, Roger Maris, Roger Maris, because it, you know, and I can't remember the year. The baseball but player, the baseball player, because they were both up for the the athlete of the year award one year, and 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 uh, Roger Maris basically said, "I thought this was for athletes. What's a ba- what's a golf player doing?" Here? Uh. And Arnold Palmer never forgave him for that. So yeah, he, you know, I I I think it does bear remembering that he's a pretty competitive guy. You can read more from Bill Mann and Brian Hinman. Go to FoolFunds.com and sign up for Declarations, which is the free monthly newsletter that they produce. Thanks for being here, guys. Sure thing. All right. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.